Let's pray. Uh, Father, uh, praying before a sermon is not a ritual. It's not something that we do because, because we're supposed to do it. Uh, it. It's something that I need to do because if, if you don't join me at this time and work through your word and, and uh, uh, make a difference here, no, nothing will happen. And I do ask, Lord, uh, that you would speak through your word. Uh, it says in Hebrews 4.12 that your word is uh, living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it pierces through soul and spirit and discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Uh, Lord, in this world, there's, there's millions of people who will say that they have some, some way of, of being able to change a person. Uh, but Lord, what we know is that only your word can change people, which is why we preach from it, and it has power. And so, Lord, we do pray that even this day uh, that, you would, that you would change people as, as the preaching of your word takes place. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Six weeks ago, we had a missions conference here at our church. And as all the activities of that weekend were going on, something happened here in Mound that no one knows about. A woman in our church was praying for these missionaries. And, and she, was, she was in her apartment praying when suddenly she felt this darkness come over her. And what followed is, is what something, something that you know, can't be explained you know, by science or anything. Um, she, heard a, she heard a growling noise that, that came over her. And she said that it sounded like a lion. And she said it went on for about a minute. And as you might expect, um, she was terrified at, at what was happening. And this led her to pray. She prayed and asked God to help, uh, to send his angels uh, to deliver her from the situation. And that's exactly what happened. God answered. And suddenly the darkness left and she began to feel safe again. Now the person that I'm talking about uh, in our church is Rosemary. Um, She was praying for our missionaries and and I, and I spoke to her after this happened, and she told me what happened. And I, I believe every, every word she said, because um, spiritual forces really are all around us. And it's something that you know, we could go through our day and not really notice. But I, if God were to turn on the switch right now and show us everything that's happening in this room, it would blow us away. And it's, it's good to get reminded. And what Rosemary told me is that, she's like, I, I, I believe that God showed me that, to show me how important, how important it is that I pray. And I, and I believe that. It's, it's true. And the type of prayer that Rosemary was taking part in is called intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is where one person prays for another person. And what she found out that day is that Satan and his demons do not like that type of prayer. Uh, they are very much opposed to it. And for those of you who know Rosemary, she's a, she's a prayer warrior. Um, she's here 
every Wednesday evening for our prayer meetings. And, you know, she's constantly praying. She's constantly telling me all the ways that God has answered her prayers. And I, and I know this firsthand. I remember two years ago, I was done preaching a sermon. And I was in the back, standing right by, right by those double doors. Rosemary comes up to me and she says, Seth, I've been praying that God would bring a, a, your future wife into your life. And I was saying, well, thanks for your prayers. You know, you know, and I, of course, I'm kind of skeptical. And, and you know, a little over, a, little over a, a year ago, I meet my future wife. And then, of course, two months ago, which is evidenced by this ring, I got married to Brianna. And we're, we're both very grateful for her prayers. But, I, but when I got married, it, it, it occurred to me, it was like Rosemary told me that she was praying. And, and it, it was not only her prayers, but many other prayers as well. So intercessory prayer has power to it. There's no doubt about it. And it's a prayer that we all must take part in. And when you read the Bible, what you will see is that intercessory prayer is very common. You see it all over the Old Testament. Jesus did it. You see it in the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul takes part in this type of prayer. And what Caleb just read from Ephesians 3, 14 through 19, is an intercessory prayer. And that is our text this morning. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 3. If you're using a Red Pew Bible below the chairs, it's on page 977. Verses 14 through 19. Follow along as I read. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Make continual intercession to your all-powerful God for your fellow saints. Make continual intercession to your all-powerful God for your fellow saints. Now, Guy mentioned this last week when he preached. Paul has the tendency to go on tangents. He, he, he starts a thought, he's trying to make a point, and then he goes off for about 10 or 15 verses with an, in a completely different direction, and then he comes back to the point he was trying to make. That's exactly what's happening here in verse 14. He says, for this reason. And what you'll notice is that if you look at Ephesians 3.1, Paul says, for this reason. So this is where he picks up where he was going. And now Paul, as he writes this, he's in prison. He's in a Roman jail cell. And he's in this this chapter, he's talking about how amazing it is of God's plan of redemption for the Jews and then bringing the Gentiles into this plan as, as well. You know, Paul is saying that the Gentiles are also heirs of this promise that God promised long ago. And 
All Paul can do as he ponders how amazing this is, is pray. So he, after verse 1, he intends to, to bow his knees in prayer. But then he, then he goes on and talks a little bit longer. And then, he, and then in verse 14, he, can, he finally gets to the point he's trying to make, and he begins to pray. And Paul instructs us how we should pray here. He prays, he directs his prayers to the Father. And he prays in Jesus' name. This is the, the very same instruction that Jesus gave in John fifteen sixteen. He says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So whenever we pray, the way that we ought to pray is we should direct our prayers to the Father. And then in Jesus' name. So that's, that's, why, we, that's why we pray in that manner. And the, and the type of prayer that Paul is praying here is what I've already mentioned. It's intercessory prayer. This text suggests two requests that you should make for fellow believers. The first request is that you should pray for inward strength that leads to spiritual maturity. Pray for inward strength that leads to spiritual maturity. Verse 16, Paul says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now Paul, he's praying here. He knows who he's praying to. He's praying to the one who has limitless power. You know, God, God he doesn't have some power. He has, I mean, if you could imagine in your head, which we can't, how much power he has. He has as much, the maximum amount of power. And he knows that God has this. And what it says in verse 16 is that it's, it, there's a, um, it's, his, it's his riches. The riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. And in verse 20, it says that God can do far abundantly more than all that you ask or think. And the person of the Trinity, which is producing this power within you, is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So the Father sends his spirit to produce this power within you. And Paul prays that you would have this power in your inner being. So you might ask, okay, why is it important that this power is present there? The answer is is because this is where the battle takes place, in your inner being. Paul knew this battle very well. He described it in Romans 7, 22 and 23. He says that I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Paul knew the battle that he faced and the battle that all Christians face. It's the battle that you face today. It's, it's, the fa- it's the battle against your flesh, your indwelling sin. And just because you become a Christian doesn't mean you don't sin. It, the sin is still there. It's being killed, but it's something that you still have to fight in your daily life. And the Spirit has been given to all believers to wage this war. If you look at verse 17, following Paul's remark that the Spirit dwells in your inner being. He says that 
Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, so he's saying the Spirit dwells in you and Christ dwells in you. So which one is it? The answer is, well, both. It's the Trinity. For the Spirit to dwell in you is for Christ to dwell in you. And in another one of Paul's um, letters in Romans 8, he, says, he actually says the Spirit of Christ. So for the Spirit to dwell in you is for Christ to dwell in you. And you need this indwelling to have any chance at fighting the spiritual battles, to have any chance. It, it's why Rosemary was able to fight off those forces, is because she has this indwelling of the Spirit. Apart from God's help, you will be too weak to fight these battles. There's, there's people, there's numbers of people, countless numbers of people in the world who are unable to fight the battle against Satan, their indwelling sin. It's because they're helpless, because they don't have God. They don't have the, they, they don't have the spirit to fight it. Now, on our honeymoon, Brianna and I went to Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, for those of you who know that area, it's, it's, called, the, it's called the Historical Triangle. Uh, we saw Jamestown, we saw Williamsburg, and we saw Yorktown. Yorktown is the, the, the site of the final battle of the Revolutionary War. It's where Cornwallis surrendered to George Washington. And the Revolutionary War, obviously, it's a very significant war. It's the only reason we're standing here today living in the United States of America. It's because we gained our independence. And early on in the, in the war, the colonies as they fought in Great Britain, they lost the early battles. And the reason they lost is because they were mismatched. It, it was a battle of David and Goliath. Goliath being Great Britain, who probably was the strongest world power in the world at that time. And then the colonies, which were pretty weak. So head to head, they stood no chance. But in 1776, the colonies received assistance from France. They started, France began to supply weapons. And then in 1778, France officially enters the war on the side of the colonies. Now, France is another world power. And so Great Britain's not afraid of the colonies, but they are afraid of France. And then Spain soon follows on the side of the colonies. And eventually, of course, the colonies win, and they gain their independence over Great Britain. And the only reason they were able to do that is because they relied on a power outside of themselves. And the only way that you can win your battles against the unseen world is if you rely on a power outside of yourself. Okay? Because the enemies that you face, your indwelling sin, Satan, the world, they're all in opposition to you. And if you fight it on your own, you can't win. But if you rely on God's power, which is limitless, by the way, you can win, and you will win. So I encourage you, rely on his power and pray that your fellow believers would have this power in their inner being. Because God is far greater than those powers. And one thing you'll notice in this text is that Paul prays for spiritual strength. He doesn't pray for physical strength. He prays that this power would aid a person in their inner being. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm a, I'm a runner myself, and I, and I value, you know, 
physical fitness, and I, I, think there, I think there's certainly a lot of value to it, and I think we should all strive to be physically fit, but it's not nearly as important as spiritual strength. In another one of Paul's letters, he says, you know, bodily training is of some value. He recognizes that. But godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Growth in Christian character is what prepares one for this battle. So as you pray for your fellow believers, what's happening within them is that God is producing a strength that leads to spiritual maturity that enables them to fight the battle. Because that's how you win. It, it's, this isn't a, a battle where you fight with weapons, with physical weapons. It's, it's you conquer Satan as you live a holy life. It, it's interesting. As you resist the temptations of sin in your life, that's how you defeat the devil. And the strength that God has established in you through his spirit is sustaining you right now. And it, and, it, and it will sustain you in future battles. The inward strength that the Spirit provides leads to spiritual maturity. And the end effect is Christ-likeness. So this is something you must pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in the faith. Uh, several months ago, this was before I was married, I, uh, I, lived, I was living with my parents. And one thing that they did uh, every Sunday morning was they watched the Sunday morning show on CBS. And that Sunday morning, uh, you know, they always do a segment on something, and, and they, had, they were doing a segment on Bruce Lee. Uh, some of you may know who Bruce Lee is. Um, he was a martial artist um, who lived in the 1960s and 1970s. He was a, he was a famous actor. Uh, he was a filmmaker. And he is the definition of what it means to be fit. He, if, all you have to do is look him up. I mean, this afternoon, maybe look him up. He was, he was ripped. Um, he was, his physique was incredible. And the world was shocked when it, when it discovered that at the young age of 32, he was found dead. And it didn't, honestly, it didn't take much um, to kill him. You know, f- physical fitness is fleeting. It's deceptive. Uh, Bruce Lee, they, they believe that he died from an allergic reaction to a muscle relaxant. You know, doesn't sound like much. And, and honestly, it isn't. And it goes to show, those who look strong can, can, be, can, can lose their physical fitness, can lose their physical strength in, in, in a second. And, and can you imagine when David stood before Goliath? Goliath is beyond belief, you know, has this tremendous, tremendous strength. And, and one rock hits his head and he dies. That's it. That's all it took. So physical strength is fleeting. Now on the other hand, there was a man in the 18th century who lived in New England by the name of David Brainerd. Uh, He's well known in church history. And throughout his 20s, as he was ministering to the Native Americans in New England, he was suffering from tuberculosis. And he was constantly coughing up blood. And one thing, when, when, when a person looked at Brainerd, one thing they can see is that this guy was suffering physically. But during this whole time, he was journaling. And you can see that he's growing, he's growing spiritually. You know that, ver- that verse in the Bible that says, you're fading physically, but day by day, you're, you're being strengthened spiritually? That, that's what was happening to Brainerd. And he died at the age of 29. 
And one of his good friends, Jonathan Edwards, a famous theologian, compiled all of his journals. And he, he formed a book, and it's called The Life and Diary of David Brainerd. And one thing that one can see as they look at, at these diaries is that this was a man fading physically, but being strengthened day by day spiritually. And, and this is the type of strength that you want. It, it's, it's the strength that carries you into eternity. Physical strength only, only benefits you here and now. Physical strength carries on forever. So do you pray this for your fellow believers? Intercessory prayer is what wins the battle for believers all over the world. As the believer grows in godliness, the unseen opposition is defeated. So I encourage you, pray pray this not only for yourself, but pray this for your fellow believers as well. So that's the first request that you should pray. Pray for inward strength that leads to spiritual maturity. The second request that you ought to make to God for your fellow believers is pray for a deep understanding of God's greatness and Christ's love. For a deep understanding of God's greatness and Christ's love. Look with me at uh, the second half of verse 17 through verse 19. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, this is interesting. Okay, so Paul, he's praying for spiritual strength. Now he prays that they would have knowledge. Okay, and and he makes a similar prayer in, in the first chapter of this letter. He prays that the, the church in Ephesus, he's praying for the church in Ephesus, he prays that they would have knowledge. Now, in order for them to begin to have the knowledge of God, they need to be grounded in Christ's love. Okay, so, so not anybody can have this knowledge. There is a prerequisite. You, first of all, you must know God. You must be a genuine believer. And second of all, you must be spiritually mature in order to comprehend God's greatness, and Christ's love. It takes spiritual strength to comprehend who God is. That's why Paul prays that they would have spiritual strength. He prays that they would have it so that they would be able to know God's greatness and Christ's love. Now, why is Paul praying that the Ephesian believers would have this knowledge? Or in our present context, Why is it important that present-day believers possess the knowledge of God? There there are reasons as to to why this is important. And I think it's it's something that plagues the church in America. I think one of the reasons, uh, one of our major struggles is, is, is shallowness. And I'll talk about that in a second. But there are two observations from this text of why it's important to pray for the knowledge of God. Um, First of all, it helps believers grow. When Paul says that they may be filled with all the fullness of God, he is praying that this amazement in God, as you realize how wonderful he is and how majestic he is, it leads the Christian to maturity. Think about it. When you see someone, as you're going through your day, someone who swears every other word, or they're very vulgar, 
one thing you know is that this person has not, is not in awe of God. They're not amazed by God. They don't fear God. That's, that's why that person does that. Now, someone who watches their tongue, who aims to please God in every area of their life, you know that this is someone who has seen the wonder of God and they, and they aim to please him. So we see it every day um, as we interact with people and you see it in your own life too. Now, many believers are lacking in their knowledge of God. Now, this is an intercessory prayer that is needed in America. Because people fear him when they know his greatness. A shallow understanding of God leads to a shallow faith. Okay? So, I, uh, so this is why it's important. This is why we need to dig deep into God's word. This is why we need to strive to understand it. This is why we need to not settle in our walk with the Lord. It, it, now, knowledge can be a dangerous thing. It says that another place, that knowledge puffs up. So it, it can, you know, if it, if it leads to pride, okay, that's, that's, that's a danger. But in, in another sense, gaining knowledge in who God is and in his word is, is, is a very important thing. Because what follows, if you do it in the correct manner, is spiritual growth. So this is something, this is a prayer that's needed in America, because I feel like, uh, I don't know if you guys see this too, but I feel like there's a lot of um, shallowness. People, are, people settle, and, and we can go so much deeper. There's so much there. You could, you could spend multiple lifetimes reading through this book, because every time you read it, you're like, wow, I never saw that before. <laughs> we, we can't settle. We need to go deeper. Now, the fullness of God within a believer produces Christian maturity. So Paul, Paul says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And, he, and he's saying that if they have this knowledge, then, then you will have this fullness of God. And you will grow in, in Christian maturity. And this comes through being able to comprehend God's greatness and Christ's love. Those are the two things he lists. The two things he's praying for is that they would have a knowledge of the breadth and length and height and depth. And the other thing he prays that they would have knowledge of is the love of Christ. Okay, so the second reason to pray for the knowledge of God's greatness and Christ's love is it brings glory to God. Now, the reason that God creates the universe is so that he would be glorified. That's why he did it. The reason that you're alive today is for his glory. And... He wants you to have this knowledge. He, he wants you to know who he is so that he would be glorified. And the, and the, the reason I, I draw this observation is because of the doxology that follows. Now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. A knowledge of God's greatness brings glory to him. Okay, so, it, so a knowledge of God, it provides for Christian maturity. As one is in awe of God, they desire to please him, and they grow in holiness. And secondly, it brings glory to God. This is why Paul is praying that the Ephesian believers would have this knowledge. And this is why you ought to pray for the believers in your life to have this knowledge of God. 
Paul desires for his fellow saints to see this glory. And we ought to desire to see God's glory and to have others see his glory. Don't let people settle for something much less. We're created to see him. We're created to know him. Don't let people settle. Don't settle in your own life either. So do you pray this? I encourage you to. And, it, and you ought to because it will, it will lead to growth and it, will, and it will give God the glory that he deserves. Okay, so we went through you know, the text here. And so one thing I want to talk about right now is what should you do with the instruction, this instruction from God's word? Um, you should pray. I mean, it's it, very simple. You should pray on a continual basis for other believers in your life. Oftentimes, someone will come to mind. As you go through your day, someone will pop into your head. I, just yesterday, several people popped into my head, and I was and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to be preaching a sermon on this. I should, I should really pray. So we must pray for these people. And one thing that the Lord showed Rosemary is how important her prayers are. And I know it's encouraged her to, to pray all the more. And she's someone we should follow her example and and pray in that manner. Satan, the flesh, and the world, they desire to destroy, to destroy the faith of, of the believer. That, that's their goal. And no physical weapon can ever win this battle. But spiritual strength can. And prayer is, is one of the most powerful weapons there is. And Paul sets the pattern for believers of how we should pray. So I encourage you to take part in this ministry that God has called you to. Now one day, when, when this present age is over and, and you're with the Lord, you will see the difference that these prayers made. And like Rosemary, and you will understand how important it is that, that you prayed. And so we're in the present right now, and I encourage you to take part in this ministry, and it will make a difference beyond this life. And you will see that difference in people's lives. Let's pray. Father, we, we do bow before you in the same way Paul bowed before you. And Lord, words can't express how, how important this type of prayer is. Lord, people depend on it. And I think the reason, Lord, that a lot of us have, have experienced um, tremendous spiritual gain in our lives, it's not because it just happened. It's because People prayed. People prayed for that. And I pray, Lord, that we would take part in this ministry and that you would even show us, I pray that you would show us encouraging signs that, that our prayers are, are working. And I, and I thank you for Rosemary's example, Lord, and I thank you for the fact that she... Uh, Seize your answers to her prayers. And Lord, it's an example that, that we ought to follow. And Lord, if we want to see amazing things happen at Mound Free, this is, this is not an optional thing. This is something we must do. And I pray that we would. We ask this in the name of your Son. Amen.